Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Now the topic for this weekend is we have one life to live. And during my PhD research, I've discovered that even though I'm, I got, I've read maybe dozens and dozens of books on my, you know, on my PhD research, and that all these thick books and multiple authors in all different areas, whether it's missions, whether it's China, history and the Jesuits, the history of the Moravians, all these different, I, I, I've read it all, uh, but it's very interesting. Every author of every book usually only has one point. In fact, I, would, I, I don't know how it is, but in life, although we think we contribute a lot, uh, it kind of reminded me that in the end, you know, uh, the people will maybe just remember you for one thing. And at the end of your life, what is that one thing you want to remember you for? It's just going to... And interesting, that's exactly what our passage in Hebrews 11 is. It's going to talk about these heroes of faith, but it's only one thing, or maybe a couple things, but only one paragraph at most of these men and women of faith. So if you can turn with me into your passage, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and I know that mo- many of you don't have your Bibles, but you had your iPhone, so let's all turn to YouTube here, or you, um, you Bible here. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 23 to 40. And I'm going to start with Moses here. But before you uh, start with 23, I'm just going to first go to the first verse of this chapter, which is chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then, of course, it goes through all the different uh, people of faith, you know, starting all the way from um, Abel all the way to Enoch and then going all the way down here to Abraham. Of course, I, I don't want to go into all the details of each person, but I'm going to start from verse 23 because then, then I'm going to go more into each uh, person from verse 23, starting from Moses. But as verse 13 will say, all these people were still living by faith when they died they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So remember, this is people who believed in God, but it was something that they hoped for, and some of them were not able to see it. It's something that's far greater than what they can see in this world, and that's what faith is. By faith, Moses, Moses' parents, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated 
along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He disregarded grace for the, this, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And by faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the lions, mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground, and they were all commended for their faith. Yet none, none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of God and even for the book of Hebrews 11, when we hear how men and women of faith looked to something greater than this world, looked to something in heaven, they trusted in you. And so, Lord, may you help us to join together with these saints together to understand this important truth in this time, especially right now in Hong Kong. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to go through Scripture, and if you can keep your Bibles uh, with me um, through these passages, because I really want to uh, go through each, uh, starting from verse 20, 23 here. Because it's really important to understand how the Hebrew writer has tied together men and women of faith throughout history. And you can see there is a 
line of thinking that is connecting us through the beginning of time till today. And so when we read the Bible, often we say, okay, this is a good story or whatever, but we have to understand that there is a historical redemptive narrative that is part of God's intention to make us part of this greater narrative of story. It's, um, it's a history of redemption starting from the beginning of time. And each person has been chosen for a specific reason and how they have demonstrated faith in God. And we will see some, of course, were able to conquer, some were able to overcome, some were able to be blessed, some were able to do great things, and others who trusted in God and it didn't seem to work out. But if we are only looking at one person's life, it, seem, it could seem like a great success and it could seem like a great failure, but if we take it into an overall historical narrative, we're part of a grand story. And you, by being here in Hong Kong in November 2019, in this current crisis, is part of that story. And if they put your name, let's just imagine your name were in here. How would, the, if I were the Hebrew writers and I knew you personally, how, what would I say about you? Well, first, I'm going to start with Moses. But even before Moses, you know, we, we think, well, if you're going to start with Moses, if I were the Hebrew writers, I would start with Moses, you know, probably on Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments. And then I would probably think, okay, you know, the ten plagues in Egypt, you know, the prince of Egypt, and then coming to back to Egypt, and then, you know, all the ten plagues. And then I probably would end with, you know, him right when he parts the sea and the Israelites walk through. I mean, that, that's what I would have chosen, right? But guess how the, what, what does the Hebrew writer choose? And, and it starts with Moses' parents. And, and I, I think about it. I said, the, I'm, I'm wondering why he did that. But there's a reason. I think the reason is, is that every person of faith, in some sense, has parents. And that there is something about a, a community of faith, a family of faith, that impact men and women of faith. Right? So... So important. Right now, you're not, maybe most of you don't have kids yet, but all of you at least have parents, right? And maybe your parents might not be Christians yet, whatever, but let's just imagine that you have kids one day. Are you going to be like Moses' parents, who actually, at that time, when they hid Moses, were, they were breaking the law and they were not afraid of the king's edict? From the very beginning, Moses' parents were part of shaping who he was in his faith. You know, I mentioned I have four kids, and um, uh, it's so important that each kid, of course, uh, you know, sees faith lived out in his parents, in his father and mother. And, um, you know, I, I know my, my son, I told you, is at West Point. He wants to be a military man. My daughter is at Wheaton. She just told me she's thinking about communications or econ. My son, third son, is thinking about medical track, and my fourth son is thinking, he's not thinking anything, but he's, <laughs> he's just, 
um, special needs kid, and I said, where, where do you want to live one day? He said, oh, Dad, I just want to go back to America. And he said he only lived in America for like 10 months or so, but from the Chinese orphanage to America for him was like, you know, wow, heaven kind of thing. So he, 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 But uh, I think for each of my kids, I know that God has something designed for them, and it may not be the missionary track. It may not be uh, a pastoral track, but God has something in store for them. But I hope that each one would see that they had parents who lived out their faith. And I have to say, I, I've seen some very good indications because when we came back from China to the U.S., and uh, this is in 2010, uh, sort of got um, on the blacklist, whatever that means. And, um, uh, and so we knew at some stage we had to be in the U.S. for a while. Um, and so, uh, but we were in the U.S. for about uh, six years uh, when I was uh, the director of the Christy Wilson Center, and I was doing uh, teaching missions at a seminary. And this is a seminary I graduated. Um, and it's the ideal job for any missionary. Just imagine this. You've been on the mission field, and you come back to the seminary that you graduated from, and you're teaching missions, and you're leading the mission program, and you're mobilizing others, future pastors and future missionaries, to go to the mission field. I mean, who wouldn't want, as a missionary, to end that way and that kind of a job? You know, Jackie said, Dave, you just get lucky all the time. Somehow it just works out that you get that kind of job, and I just kind of hope it doesn't always work out for you. So... <laughs> Just Jackie, my wife, you know, being, again, uh, more realist, trying to say. So uh, I'm thinking, okay, mobilizing others for missions, training others for missions, this is the place to be. Now, when we moved back to the U.S., um, we had a choice to live near the seminary, which had a nice community. We had a choice to live in Bedford, where we're in a a suburban neighborhood. And a suburban neighborhood was... um, you know, on the ranking scale, very good um, for our kids to have a good education. They loved it there. But my wife was volunteering, working in a drug addict ministry in Lowell, Massachusetts. And if you know Lowell, Massachusetts, it's more of an inner city kind of culture uh, with lots of Cambodian refugees, uh, Hispanics, blacks. And, and um, <clears throat> on the scale from one to 300 of districts in Massachusetts, it's ranked the bottom 10. And no one in the Chinese circle in Massachusetts would voluntarily move from a suburb to an inner city, especially when our kids are entering high school. I have to be honest, for us to make that decision for our kids was a harder decision than moving to China. So we're in America for a few years now, and by the way, it, it, you know, this is one lesson I've always learned. It's never as bad as we think it's going to be. Okay, so everything we hear out what's going on, we think it's, it's the end of the world, but I tell you, it's not as bad. And even coming here to Hong Kong, I know it's bad. I just heard last night I was next to Polly Yu. I, I heard something going on. I don't know what happened, but that's uh, I'm sure it was bad. I don't know what it is, but I tell you, it wasn't as bad as, a, as you probably think it is. And then when I go to go back, I say it's not as bad. It's bad. It's not as bad. But life is not as bad. But more importantly is this. I, I learned uh, actually this from, from my kid, my, my daughter in high school. 
So, Dad, you always talk about missions, mobile missions. Why are we still in the U.S.? And so, just wanting to say that I want my kids to also have the same kind of faith that we have, to be able to, and they can learn that through their parents. Now, of course, you know, uh, it's not that all parents are that way, but that's the challenge I want to have for those who eventually got, when you guys are going to have kids, is to, to really raise up children that can look to their parents of faith. But by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ and of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. And so by faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. Wait a minute. I remember watching Prince of Egypt and... um, you know, it looked like he was running away because he was, you know, he had, you know, you, you, you know the story, right? What happened was he saw a Hebrew getting mistreated by an Egyptian. And so he, you know, he sided with the Hebrew and killed the Egyptian. And then uh, the next day or the, a few days later, uh, he saw two Hebrews fighting and he tried to stop them. And, and, and then found out they knew that he had killed the Egyptian. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh had found out and was about to, you know, do something, and so he fled, right? I mean, that's the general story, but it looks like it says he, by faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. And I was just like, that doesn't seem to make sense to me when I read that passage, because it, 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 it seems more like he was running for his life, right? I thought about this back and forth and back and forth. But it helped me understand because when I, you know, when you're in, when, when I was in Beijing and during uh, the, the the tax and so on, there are people. There are times when you make very bold statements and and people who who stand firm, whatever. But often that's all mingled with sometimes it's ambition, sometimes it's pride, sometimes it is courage. Some, the actual act that you do is not a description of the whole story. The actual act. It's just a part of the story. In fact, the greater story for Moses is that he chose to side with the mistreated Hebrews, those who were oppressed. He chose, he could have chosen a life of comfort. He could have chosen a life with the Egyptians. He was a prince of Egypt. He could potentially be the next pharaoh. And he chose, he, I'm sure every day he saw Hebrews getting mistreated. He probably saw people getting killed. He saw people getting, his, his women getting raped. He saw children being thrown into the Nile. And he said, something is not right. And in his inner soul, in his depth of who he was, he said, I'm going to side with the mistreated over the pleasures on earth. And I, I think the Hebrew writer is trying to you have a choice in life. You can enjoy this great Hong Kong life or life, or you can choose a life that may have a cost involved. In fact, it will have a cost involved if you work with those who are the oppressed. 
Yet, we see Moses part of a community of faith. You know, and, and when the Red Sea gets parted, it's not even, you don't mention in verse 29, it doesn't mention Moses' faith apart in the Red Sea. It says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. And so, secondly, I do want to mention is that we try to maybe highlight these individuals, but it really is this, Moses is part of a community of faith, the, the, the Jewish nation, as they traveled across the Red Sea. And then by faith, later in verse 30, it talks about the walls of Jericho fell. This is now, you know, not just individuals, but a community of faith. And so it's really important that you are part of this church, this community, this New Testament community. Of course, in the Old Testament, it was the Jewish nation. Now you're part of this local church. And part of a community of faith. Yes, there'll be heroes of the faith within this group, but you're part of a community. And this community is connected to other churches, just like the churches in China, the churches all across the world. And you're connected also to other men and women of faith all throughout history, to the Old Testament. And together, in the last verse, in verse 40, it says, together with us would they be made perfect. It's only together as a community of faith we are made perfect. Well, moving on now to verse 30, the walls of Jericho. And, and, and you guys know, know the story of the walls of Jericho? Who's the, who's the hero when you think of the walls of Jericho? When, when, you, when you were in Sunday school class, what was the song that you would sing about Jericho? Who, who, who's, the, who's the hero of faith of Jericho? Oh, come on, uh, Pastor Seth. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Who was leading the Israelites when the walls of Jericho came falling down after they tra- Joshua, Joshua, you know, you even sing the Joshua in the walls of Jericho. There we go. Anyways, um, <laughs> come on. I mean, you know, if you don't remember, start. You gotta go to the Old Testament and gotta start reading. Um, but Joshua, you, you know, brought the, the Israelites across around, and they they circled Jericho for seven days, and the last day of seven times, and then they had a big shout, and the walls came tumbling down. Well, do you notice that? Joshua's name is not mentioned here. Now, I'm sure, you know, in the Old Testament they they talk about him, but I thought about it. Why is Joshua's name not mentioned here? Because we think he would be the hero here, but guess who the hero is in this? It's verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. Now, I don't hear you singing, you know, Rahab, the prostitute at Jericho. (laughs) Jericho. Um, There is, I thought of it, I ran, you know, why would Joshua's name not here? But God chose, think about it. Rahab was not even under the people of God. She was the enemy that they tried to conquer. And not just an enemy, in those days, the status of women were really low. Okay, so an enemy, a woman, and then a prostitute. So the lowest of lowest 
person that you could ever think of gets chosen to highlight faith and not Joshua the conqueror. Think about it. There, there's a reason why I'm sure uh, the, the, the Hebrew writers have chosen Rahab. And I think it's this. It's to show that even the worst of sinners, people completely out, the person who is the lowest, who have been the, the greatest of sinners that we can think of, lowest of status, they can demonstrate acts of faith and come to the Lord. You know, I, I grew up in a missionary kid family, you know, you, you, uh, uh, but, you know, I, have, I, I wish I had a great testimony. You know, I wish I was kind of like a gangster, you know, and then one day, I, you know, you know, I used to have tattoos, and, you know, it was real tough, and then, you know, uh, and then God trans... I, you know, I have more of those. I can't ever remember a time I don't believe in Jesus' uh, testimonies. But my wife um, has a different story. And, and her... You know, I told you before, she used to be goth. No, she used to be punk rock. Her, her, her hair was like up to here. She told me... She didn't uh, comb her hair for two years, uh, but she just teased, you know, I, and I, this is the back in the 80s. If you take a look at a picture in the 80s, it's like uh, Pat Benatar. If you know, those, you don't know, you don't know these names, I know. Anyways, um, you know, black makeup, goth, and hair up to here, and when she came to the Lord, when they, she, she went to the haircut person, she pretty much had to, they couldn't comb her hair, they had to cut <laughs> They had to pretty much shave her hair off. I kind of wish I had that kind of story. You know, then I, then I can say, I was like that, and now I'm like this, and now, you know. But it's interesting. Someone coming out of that kind of environment, their faith is completely transformed, and they have a testimony that that's why I think she's a do-or-die kind of all-out-for-God kind of thing, because she, she, she said, you know, Dave, during those days, I was really destined for hell. I can't use that word in the sermon, you know, but it, but she said, I was really destined for hell. I, I, I know if I had continued that life, not only destined for hell, she said, I probably wouldn't be alive today. And so for her, her transformation to Christ saved her life and saved her for eternity. So she is just like, wow, you know, and that's why she's all out, you know, to, to I kind of wish I had that, but I don't, you know, and that's okay, because I'm, I'm more, you know, I'm, I, like I said, I was a goody-baddie kind of missionary kid, and I, 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 the worst thing I did, for those who didn't hear, I, you know, I, I misspelled all the words on the spelling test for high school just to be rebellious. That's how bad I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so that's me, that's how bad I was, no, I was really bad, I thought I was bad at the time, so, uh, Whatever background that you come from, you know, whether you're coming from completely destined for hell and transformation to God, or even someone who used to misspell on the spelling test, um, you know, God is there, and you can demonstrate acts of faith. Well, verse 32, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. I mean, if you... Go into the scriptures and you just study each of these prophets and, and, and conquerors and heroes of the faith. Gideon, do you remember Gideon? You know, he, had, uh, he could have chosen many thousands of soldiers to fight against uh, 
And then he chose 300 soldiers, and they were able to beat, defeat the enemies out of great odds. Um, you have Barak uh, with Deborah. Uh, you have um, they also fighting a, an army that was oppressing the Israelites. Of course, you have Samson against the Philistines. You know, it was a one-man show. I mean, he had a, a donkey jawbone, and he pretty much he fought against a thousand soldiers and won. I mean, um, you have, uh, of course, uh, Samuel and the prophets. And they did all amazing things, conquered kingdoms, ministered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lion. Who shut the mouths of lion? Uh, please tell me you don't know this person. Who shut the mouths of lion? Oh, thank you. I was wondering. Daniel, right? You know. uh, and then um, who quenched the fury of flames? There's three people there. Who remember? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. So yeah, if you don't know that story, you got to go to the Old Testament again. It's these three young people, just your age, and they were supposed to bow to Nebuchadnezzar, the, the golden, uh, the, the idol there, and they decided not to do it. And actually, it's a very powerful statement. They said, even if God doesn't deliver, okay? It's one thing to say, you know, God's going to deliver because, you know, just imagine this. You're about to be in the fury of flames, and you happen to have in your back pocket this Aladdin um, lamp. And you can just rub it and then get saved from the burning fire of flames. But this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Beno said. Even if we are not delivered, we're not going to worship your God. So these people, all it says here, they gained what was promised. They shut mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. He became powerful in battle and rooted armies. And so what I want to say first is you'll have times of faith throughout Scripture, even here today, and even in your midst, you will find times when you will have to make a decision. Between great odds, you are placed in a decision seat on whether you're going to trust in God, whether it works out or not. Even if it doesn't work out, you're going to trust in God. And very often, when you trust in God, you realize in the end, he has delivered, and you're like, wow, it's a great God that we worship that he has delivered us. And I wish I could tell you that's, a, that's how it always works out. But if it always works out that way, then it's kind of like a computer game. Or if it doesn't work out, I'll just restart and have a life again and then try to do a better job. But faith without risk that it doesn't work out is not true faith. It's got to be a faith that there's a chance that it, God may test you to a point of death. Well, it worked out for them, and I want to say throughout my life, you know, I share with you so many stories of how it worked out in China, uh, people who trusted in God, and that's great. Well, however, the last part of this passage is, I think, the, my main point today. And if you can turn with me now and just kind of see how it may have not worked out for others, okay? There are others who were tortured. 
releasing, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. My friend right now could easily just say, he doesn't have to say, I don't believe in Jesus. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to deny the faith. All he had to say is, I'll join the official church. Or he can just say, you know, I'll close down this church and I'll, you know, I'll take a sabbatical, go to America and study uh, at, uh, at Gordon Conwell Seminary. They'll let him go. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into two. They were killed by the sword. You see, these people, when they believed and trusted in God, in this lifetime, it may not have worked out. We don't like to hear that. We like to hear the good stories. But sometimes trusting in God actually puts you in greater risk and danger here on this earth. And let me tell you why this kind of faith, as I examine it, is actually more powerful in the end. Because if it always works out, right? Let's just say you always have that genie and it works out and you can, you can make that as a testimony and, and people will say, wow, that's great. Whatever. But if it doesn't work out in this lifetime, let me tell you why it's a greater faith. It's because you're not relying on this life. You're looking to something far greater than this life, something toward an eternal life, a kingdom that is not of this world. So you have a faith that is so much greater than what you can see right in front of you. And so whether it works out or not, it really is kind of like a computer game now because if I die in this first turn, the next turn is going to be eternity. I'm telling you, that's how Jackie thinks. She's just like, you know, it doesn't matter if you die. It's, uh, you know, now it's going to be in heaven. But, you know, sometimes I want to, what if you suffer for the rest of your life here before you go to heaven? But anyways, the, the, that kind of suffering and death is an eternal thing that I think the reason why the Christians in China, when the, my first message, their demonstration of being willing to be in prison and even die for their faith actually has opened the eyes for those who don't believe because they can't figure out how people can have a faith that's beyond this life. And you might ask, what, how can I be a, you know, yesterday we were talking about, how can I be a witness to my friends and neighbors who aren't Christian, my family members and so on? It says, can I be a better, you know, maybe I'm an accountant. Maybe I just got to do the numbers better. You know, I can, you know, if I... I'm a better accountant, maybe they'll respect me, you know. Or maybe I'm a, you know, um, you know a medical doctor. Maybe I need to uh, find the cure for cancer, and then they'll, they'll believe in Jesus. You know? I talked about Jeremy Lin. Maybe Jeremy Lin should have been able to. Anyways, let's say in your career, you're thinking the way to convince my coworkers and families to be a better, to believe what I believe is so that I can be the best in my field so that they can all believe, well, see, because I was the best accountant, you know, I got the Nobel Prize in this, whatever, then they'll believe in Jesus. Well, I'll tell you that. Um, if, if that were the gospel, Jesus could have figured that out a long time ago, right? He could have just come in and said, you know, all the Christians have got the best in each field. So you're, whatever field you're in, I just, boom, I'll give you all the IQ to make that happen and all the physical strength to, uh, to to, to be the, you know, to run the uh, mile under four minutes, you know, I mean, whatever. 
He could just easily make all Christians at the top of all the fields, and then everyone would believe. And that would just be the simplest way to bring the world to Christ, right? But he's done something, almost something completely opposite. In fact, Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had that choice. And he was thinking, do I want to give up this life? He could have called legions of angels down and just destroyed the Roman Empire at the time and set himself as king very easily. All he had to do is request the Heavenly Father to do that. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he chose the path. If he had gone the other way, he could have been Alexander the Great times 10. He could have been Genghis Khan who conquered the world. But do you notice that no one worships Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan anymore? I mean, maybe back then. You have billions of people worshiping a savior who went to the cross because he didn't see his life here as the final act. There's something far greater in the end. There is a, something called Back to Jerusalem um, movement in China. In the 1940s, there's these Christians who had a vision from God that God called them to take the gospel to Jerusalem. It's called Back to Jerusalem. And so they had such a trust in God at the time. About 100 of them did this. They left their homes in Shandong province and then also Shanxi province. Two groups, almost completely separate, somehow just happened to catch this vision. And, and the, the group from Shandong would just go from, uh, the, the, the testimonies are just, they would almost go from city to city, just almost begging their way as they went headed toward, toward Jerusalem with the gospel. And they would come to a city and it was really dangerous. At times there were wild animals at the time. Of course, there's Remember that civil war at the time, there's, you know, there's all, any bandits taking place, they would have run out of water, run out of, they would lie down, they would wake up, and, and there would be a pool of water right next to them. It was just like miraculous stories that, that, that were answered for them to get all the way to Xinjiang, northwest China. And they landed there, planted a church, and started to, uh, to uh, follow their vision. And then 1949 came. And the government came in, arrested all the Christians, arrested all the leaders, put them in jail. Seven were martyred, killed in jail. And they never reached, let alone visiting Jerusalem, they never even left China. And you might say, they caught this vision, but it was a wrong one, and it was a waste of their life. They could have stayed in comfortable eastern China, and yet they went and died in west, northwest China. And they never were able to accomplish that vision and dream. Well, one of them, uh, Samuel Zhao, came out of prison after 33 years in prison and just started to share that vision that he had early on. And a lot of young Christians heard about this, and they caught this fire that if they couldn't go, we're going to go. 
So like I said, it's part of a bigger picture than just this one. If we were just to look at the lives of these people who left in 1940, it was truly a failure. And even if it's a failure, they trusted in God in something. And maybe they were, might have been, you can say, they were misguided or misled. Yet, in God's ultimate plan, the reason why these young people now in China have this back to Jerusalem vision is because they met with some of these older folks and they saw a life of sacrifice. And that life of sacrifice inspired them. Right now in the Middle East, there's probably over a thousand Chinese missionaries in the Middle East. Uh, it's probably a thousand five hundred around the world in Southeast Asia, but there's this mission movement of coming from China of just they have this sacrificial spirit to go into difficult eras, areas of the world. And it's part of this overall plan that they're part of. I, I just sense God's hand in it. People willing to die for their faith. It inspires others. And so nothing is wasted. Well, I'm going to now bring it back to Hong, the Hong Kong crisis and what's happening here. Because in the end, um, there's two ways to really deal with what's happening right now. And I know it's very normal for even men and women of faith to experience fear and to experience anxiety and troubles during a crisis. And so if you're feeling that, that means you're human. If you're not feeling any fear, you think this is just, maybe you might just be a psychopath. I don't know, but uh, to fear, to have these feelings of just uncertainty, you know, everything, the emotions of what's going on, that is just very human to have. And it's, it's, it means that you uh, have some needs that need to be met. Now, one way to address the needs is, yes, we need pastoral staff like Pastor Seth and the, and the leadership team to come and minister and to, to pray with you, to walk with you during this time and say, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is. You know, just like parents with kids, you know, you, there, there's definitely a need to have pastoral care for, especially those who, who don't know what's uh, the Jesus or those who had just come to Christ. There's time for those to be ministered to. And maybe you're in that category. And so... Uh, you can uh, maybe ask the pastoral staff to be involved with that. But let me just give a big but. There's another, I think, a better response, or I would say it's a gospel response. Because I, I, I might have shared this in one of the, because I know not, every, not everyone was there, but do you remember um, whenever there's a crisis, you know, like 911 uh, uh, or 911? When the Twin Towers got, you know, attacked, there's two responses. There's thousands of people who are fleeing the Twin Towers and running away from the towers about to be exploding and, and come down, right? So you got thousands of people rushing that way. Now, if you were a normal person in a crisis situation, your direction is that way, away from the, the crisis. But if you are someone who is a different position. You put yourself not in the victim of a crisis mode. You put yourself in, let's say, what the church should be during a crisis is more like a fireman. 
that you are actually going into crisis to rescue people out of crisis. Your direction is going to go the opposite way. Because you're going in to heal, to save, to rescue, to minister. And so it's a two, two, two kinds. It's, it's so Jesus, what, 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 he came not to be served. He came to serve. So you have to look at yourself. Am I coming to this church to be served? Or am I coming here to serve? So if I'm here to be served, and, and there's a time to be served, I have to be honest, then you're heading that way. Okay, so you know, you know, let's just say things are going to get worse, and I, I just be honest, it's bad, but it's going to get worse, and 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 maybe maybe you might hear one day, um, all U.S. citizens and West European citizens have to evacuate Hong Kong, and you guys think, oh oh, you know, of course, if it's a the law, you just follow the law, but let's just say the advisory report from the U.S. State Department is. And, and from the UK and all the, all, all the countries that, uh, in Indonesia and Malaysia and Singapore and all, are, are advising all citizens to leave. It could very likely be at the time. If your mentality is, I'm here to be served, probably you're going to be heading in a certain direction. But let's say you're in this mindset, I'm here to serve, and you have fellow Hong Kong citizens who are also watching what you're going to do. And if you decide to stay, to be with them, that is a, they're going to say, wait a minute. You're, you have a, in Chinese it's called Xing. It's something, uh, uh, it's beyond what you can see with your eyes. It's sort of something that I would never do. So you're doing something different. So you must have something that's different than me. Right? That's actually the best kind of testimony you can have. And so how can you be a witness in your workplace? It's actually the best thing is when crisis takes place. Because when everything is comfortable, when everything's happy and everything's going well, you're, you either have to be the best accountant, win a Nobel Peace Prize, you have to be the best at that for them to even maybe, or the other option is during a crisis, you act differently. Your direction is there for the gospel's sake to serve. I have to say, it's not a right or wrong answer, but each of you will, I think, are, are going through that now. And one day we'll have to make a... a right now, that it's, you think that's a decision, but I, I'll be honest with you. It, I read, as, I, as I read what's going on, um, that time is coming. It hasn't come yet. Although, for some of you, it's come, but that time will come. Whatever time it is, you're going to have to say, now, am I going to act in what most people want or will do, which is fine, but am I going to act in a way that will have the greatest chance for people to say, wow, you're thinking beyond this life. You're looking at something way beyond this life. Say, you are something different. Tell me about your Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm praying that each person here, when they meet that decision, 
you'll be someone who will be willing to lay down your life. And even if it doesn't work out, like Shadrach and Meshach, even if he does not deliver, guess what? You may die. It may not work out for you. But guess what? You're part of this narrative of this whole story. Because you may not work out. Someone's going to take that baton from you and carry it and move it on. Someone will look back and say, you remember that person? Whatever. It's going to, because you're part of this overall story of God. And it's the story of the gospel. It's the story of Jesus Christ and the story of the Bible. And it's the story of this church. Let us pray. Father, it's so easy for us right now to just dwell on our current worries and our current anxieties and fears and maybe anger. And yet, Lord, we see your example, how you came and laid down your life. came to serve and even if it didn't work out you knew that there was something far greater to be accomplished and I pray that we harvest mission church in each person in this room as they have heard this message today that seed in their heart would change in the direction of running away from crisis to turning toward crisis to minister to those in crisis. And Father, I've often noticed that when we turn and minister to those in crisis, that actually alleviates our own crisis. It changes our own fears to become bold and to become courageous because we are in the act of the gospel. We are actually doing the life of what Jesus Christ has asked us to do, the church, to be salt and light, to transform this world by being able to lay down our lives for the sake of others. We follow our Savior, we follow our Lord Jesus Christ, and we take up our cross, and it's not just something we say, but something we do. And so, Father, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if it does not work out, and maybe even better if it doesn't work out, we trust in you because we know we're part of a greater narrative, a greater story. In the end, you deserve and gain all the glory. I pray that for each person here today. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.